Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Over the next hour, you'll have the opportunity to listen to Cynthia Hyatt, an internationally recognized therapist and life management expert in private practice with offices in Phoenix and Scottsdale. As a captivating communicator, Cynthia engages, energizes, and inspires her audiences to become all God created them to be. For more information on Cynthia's diverse background, log on to CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Let the next 60 minutes inspire, motivate, and encourage you to become your own best version. Now, here's Cynthia. Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you for joining me today, and I hope your week has been good this last week and that this is going to help you have an even better week. So today, we are going to talk about a very difficult topic, a necessary topic, and one that probably will hit close to home for all of us, and that is addictions. So you may not struggle with that, but you probably know someone that does. You may struggle with it, and you may know people that struggle with it as well. So this show is entitled, Don't Judge the Addict. And so we're going to really talk and delve into what addictions really are, what it means, the complexity of them, how God views them, and just some help and hope as we look, look into how to heal from this. So this is going to be a two-part series, so I want to make sure that you always remember that you can find any of these shows on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, TuneIn, um, one more, I can't remember. Oh, my goodness. And also, you can go to the website, and my website always has the most current ones on that radio page, and that is at CynthiaHyatt.com. So, again, want to make sure that you are able to listen to the show in its entirety. So, don't judge the addict. Well, what does the Bible say about addictions? What really is an addiction? And there is a difference between an addiction and a dependency, and we are going to talk about that and why that is significant, a significant difference. And there are also different types of addictions. So how should I as a Christian view addictions? And I want you to understand that the word addiction has two basic meanings. The first definition, and the one that we are most familiar with, is this cause that we, we become physiologically or psychologically dependent on a habit-forming substance. So this would be when we, the, and the key word here is substance. So the true heart of addictions, when we really look at what an addiction truly is, it, there has to be a substance involved. And what that means is that my body becomes dependent on something it would not otherwise need. And because it becomes addicted to that substance, my body now depends on it and needs it to the point that if it doesn't get it, my body could die from that. That's why when we detox people, we have to be so careful, depending on the level of addiction. So the, the physiological change that occurs in the body when it becomes addicted to a substance. And so the addiction piece has to include the psychological piece as well. I know this is going to get a little bit complicated, but it helps to have information when it comes to understanding your own issue or understanding somebody in your life when understanding that issue for them. So it's the physiological and psychological addiction, which means that if I'm addicted to cigarettes, 
that nicotine, then my body goes into withdrawals without that substance. Now, with cigarettes, we don't die from detoxing and, 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 and getting rid of that substance. We don't die from that. But if we have people that are addicted to pain medications, if they are addicted to crystal meth, they're highly addicted to alcohol, we have to be very careful when we begin to titrate them off of that substance because their body could go into cardiac arrest, could go into all, all kinds of horrible things that our body does when it doesn't get what it has become dependent upon. So the psychological piece means that I start to get anxiety and depression and a lot of fear, and I really think and feel that I need it and I will die without it. So my body may not die from it, but my brain is psychologically addicted to it and goes into panic mode. And so you see this with people that are addicted to cigarettes. Their body is not going to die if they quit cold turkey from a cigarette. But their brain starts to really get very, very upset and will really bug them and really cry out for them. And they will have all kinds of horrible emotional feelings about the loss of that substance. So we have lots of verses in the Bible. We have Titus 1, 7, 2, and 3, 1 Timothy 3, 3. We have um, 1 Timothy 3, 8. We have 1 Corinthians 6, 10. And, and these mainly apply to alcohol because at the time, alcohol was the greatest substance that was available to be addicted to, at least in, in the Jewish culture. And so there, there was a lot of talk about alcohol. And if you remember when we talked last week about the power of the word no, making friends with the word no, we talked about the verse in 1 Corinthians six twelve that says, everything is permissible, but not everything is constructive. And so that was God saying, hey, I'm going to give you the big yes. Do whatever you want to do. You are your own agency. I gave you free will. You need to take care of you. You need to use the brain that I gave you to determine what is constructive for you. So what we do know is that alcohol can be permissible, but it may not be constructive for a lot of us. And so as we talk more in the show, we're going to talk about how we determine that. So the second definition of addiction is what we say to occupy oneself with or involve oneself in something habitually or compulsively. So here's where we make a very uh, significant and distinct uh, differentiation. This is the difference between an addictive or a substance addiction, which means that I'm introducing something to my body that I otherwise would not need. Cocaine, alcohol, nicotine, crystal, um, crystal meth, in any of the, the pain medications, these types of things. This is something that my body does not need to survive. And so it is actually a substance. It's tangible. The compulsive addictions, what, what, these are what we call things like eating disorders, sex addictions, shopping addictions, exercise addictions. And this is where there still is a change in the brain, but it isn't necessarily a substance that we can just walk away from. And so compulsive addictions are much more difficult to treat in this manner. With the substance addiction, if I have an addiction to alcohol, I can just simply never drink again. But if I have an addiction to food, I still have to figure out how to eat. And so if I have an addiction to exercise, I still need to take care of my body, which means that I have to learn to exercise in a way that is not compulsive, that is not trying to meet another need. 
which is the heart of addictions. It's meeting a need in an inappropriate manner. And so when we look at this idea of addictions and we differentiate between dependencies and addictions, we also want to differentiate between dependency and abuse. So we many times have people that abuse substances, abuse food, but we wouldn't necessarily say that they have created a dependence or an addiction to it. And so there are many people that can, I I guess, party uh, a whole entire weekend, and then they don't do it again for another year. So they go, wow, I really lost control of myself. I went to a wedding. I can't believe I drank that much. That was stupid. I'm never going to do that again. And that would fall under the the guise of abuse. And so we have people that, that oftentimes abuse substances. I don't recommend it. It can easily lead to addiction. It can lead to dependence. But it is different than somebody that we would say, wow, they're an alcoholic. They're not necessarily an alcoholic if they got trashed on one particular weekend. What we want to look at is the habitual use and the lifestyle change that occurs around the dependency or the addiction. So it means that if I'm addicted to exercise, I will then forego maybe seeing my child perform because I have to get my exercise in. That would constitute a compulsive disorder. That 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 behavior, that compulsive behavior, is now controlling my life and my well-being. And I don't feel okay unless I do that behavior. So I have no freedom, is what we're saying. So it's the same with the substance. I have to leave the party and go smoke a cigarette because I have to have that cigarette. So that cigarette is now dictating the way that I socialize. I, I, I can't go into work the next day because I drank too much. And so it's now affecting my job. And that's different than I partied too much this weekend and I called in sick and I'm never going to do that again because I'm embarrassed and I don't, I'm not going to, I have the ability to say no to that. So what addictions and dependencies do is they steal from us the ability to say the word no. At some point, there's, there's a juncture, there's a, there's a, um, a cross, we cross a line within our, in our physiology, within our psychology, that now we are unable to say no to that substance or that behavior. It is now compelling us, and it is controlling us. So what does the Bible say about judging? Because this is really, really important, really important when we think about this whole judging issue. First of all, what I want you to understand is that addiction is the search for emotional satisfaction, for a sense of security, a sense of being loved, even a sense of control over life. But the gratification is temporary illusory. And the behaviors result instead in this greater sense of self-disgust, reduced psychological security, poorer coping uh, abilities. And that's what addictions have in common. So when we are thinking about judging the person, we want to say, who in their right mind would go out and get an addiction? makes absolutely no sense. So we can judge the behavior as extremely destructive to themselves and to the people around them. But we're not going to judge the heart of the addict because we're going to say, why would they be captured by this? What would have happened in their life, in their psyche, in, in their heart that would cause this to be the go-to? This is the choice that seems to fit what they need at that moment. And so this isn't about being a weak person. This is not, that's not the issue. Many addicts are extremely strong people or they would not be able to pull off an addiction. 
So it's understanding what's going on in the person and in their heart. That is how God views us. God does not judge the addict, nor does he hate the addict, nor is he disgusted with the addict. He died for the addict, and he understands being trapped and being imprisoned, and he wants to set the prisoner free. So we're coming to the end of this, this segment. I want to make sure that you are able to listen to the show in its entirety. You can go to the website. You can uh, visit that, and it will, it will guide you to where this, the most current shows are or to SoundCloud. All the shows are on SoundCloud for the last three years. If you need a keynote speaker, I love to do that. I can tailor make a talk for your group. And so make sure that you join me in this next segment. This is Cynthia High with Conversations with Cynthia, 1360 KPXQ. Faith Talk. Welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt. Thank you so much for joining me today. And today we are talking about addictions. And so this will be helpful for you. I'm sure that you know someone in your life that struggles with an addiction, or you may have one yourself or both. And so unfortunately, latest research has indicated that the United States is the most highly addicted country, the most overweight, and the most in debt of all the countries in the world. And we are the ones that should actually be the freest. And so what that tells us is that we all struggle with this issue of freedom and how much freedom we have and can we handle our own freedom. And so we really want to talk about this issue of addictions today. And if you are just tuning in, we made the differentiation in the last segment about the difference between an addiction and a dependence. An addiction has to have an actual substance that you are addicted to. A dependence um, that, that has a lot to do with many times we, what we call compulsive addictions. Dependency is also, I'm going to take it one step further, we can have many people that are dependent on a medication and does not mean that it has crossed over into an addiction. So let's say you got in a really bad car accident, you had compound fractures in your leg, your arms, uh, broke all your ribs, and so you are needing to go through multiple surgeries to correct all the, the brokenness in your body. And in order to tolerate that and to actually heal appropriately, we put you on some very serious pain medications to manage the pain so that you don't get trauma from what we do to try to heal you. Because pain creates trauma. And that's why it's so important that you understand the difference between this type of dependency and what is actually an addiction. So we are monitoring very closely when we are administering pain medications for people that are highly injured or very sick or cancer patients, these types of things, because we don't want it to turn into an addiction. Because remember, the addictive piece is what my mind does, what my heart does, what my soul, my spirit does with the altered state that that substance gives me. When I prefer the altered state to reality, I've now crossed over into what we would say an addiction versus a dependence. So it's important that we, that we differentiate between that. We also briefly talked about how the Bible talks about judging, and we are going to talk about that, that we are not to judge ourselves. We are not to judge others. So we talked also about the difference between 
a substance and a dependence and addiction and abuse. And abuse are, are, are people that are, are not necessarily addicted psychologically or physically, but they abuse the substance because they like the altered experience. And so if we're not careful, that absolutely can become a dependency or an addiction. So Jesus talked to us very specifically in Matthew 7, 1, where he says, do not judge or you too will be judged. So many people may use this verse in an attempt to silence critics, you know, interpreting Jesus as saying, you don't have the right to tell me that I'm in the wrong. That's not what we're talking about. We certainly have the, the, the right or certainly the responsibility when we are loving people to talk about what we are seeing going on in their lives. And, and that means that we have to have a certain level of intimacy to have the, the permission and, and the ability to speak into their lives. And it has to be done in a matter of, of love that I'm actually speaking into your life because I care about you. I also may be speaking into your life because I care about myself. And your behavior may be directly affecting my well-being. And I need to take care of me and let you know that what's happening in your life is negatively affecting my life. And so the Bible commands that we are not to judge others. It doesn't mean that we don't show discernment. And, and it doesn't mean that, that we don't recognize what's going on in these people's lives. It doesn't mean that we just turn a blind eye. That it doesn't mean we practice denial, pretend like it's not happening. But it does mean that if we are in relationship with people, that we are actively talking to them about what's going on in their life and how we can help them. It doesn't mean that we're going to control it, that we're going to take over the treatment of it, that we are going to work the program for them. It means that we are going to do our side of the street even better. And so it's the superficial judgment that is wrong. It's passing judgment on someone solely based on their their appearance or the appearance of sin, and that we are not to be foolish to jump to conclusions before we investigate the facts. And, and that's how we talked about in the last segment when we said there's a difference between abuse and addictions. So if you went to a wedding and someone got completely hammered uh, with alcohol, you don't automatically assume, wow, they're an alcoholic, and start calling them an alcoholic. You don't know their life. You don't know what's going on in their life. I mean, if you do, that may be different. But it's important that we don't just superficially look into someone's life and, and blithely, glibly use these words like addictions, Okay. So we don't want to be hypocritical either. We want to make sure that what's going on in my life and, and, and am, I, am I calling something out in someone else's life that I may need to be looking at the log in my eye and not in the splinter in, of, in their eye. And so do I have what we would say compulsive issues? And so compulsive disorders, compulsive addictions are behaviorally related. And we can be compulsive in our, in our behaviors and those can be just as serious as an active substance addiction. And those, those compulsive behaviors can be perfectionism. It can be um, judgmentalism. It can be over-exercising. It can be freaking out about my diet. It, it can be, you know, different things like how, how I live my life, how I monitor my day-to-day being. It can, it can be all kinds of things that I might do compulsively that might look good on the outside but it's a heart condition that I need to work on. So we are also, in Romans 2, 1, not to condemn ourselves. 
So not only do we not judge the other person, but we don't judge ourselves. So if we are struggling with compulsive behaviors, if we are struggling with active addictions, we don't judge ourselves. We let God do the judging. And we say to ourselves, you know, I need to avail myself of God. I need to be honest with God. I need to be honest with myself. And I need to find a person I can be honest with. Sometimes that can be a close friend. Sometimes that can be a spouse. Many times it needs to be a therapist. It needs to be some type of of a mentor or a coach that I can really be honest with so that I'm not walking around adding lying to my behavior that I understand that God loves the imprisoned person and he died to set the captive free. And he says it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. God understands the difficulty we have living down, living down here on earth. He also understands the fall of man and that inside our body, in our DNA, we are diseased and we are actively having to overcome this. Some people don't have to overcome addictions. Some people, that's part of the DNA that they, are, that they are born with, and they have to actively fight it. And it's not fair. It's not fair at all. And so it's important that we have compassion. It doesn't mean we condone behavior. So it doesn't mean we say something is, is okay or right if it is wrong. But we recognize that it's a person that we're dealing with that's entrapped by this. Because who would want an addiction? It doesn't make any sense. Nobody in their right mind would go out and get an addiction. It's not fun to have. There's nothing fun about it. So it's imperative that we really work on not judging. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. We are at the half hour. Join me in the next segment as we talk about addictions and don't judge the addict. This is 1360 KPXQ, Faith Talk. This is Cynthia Hyatt. You are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. Welcome back. And if you're just joining in, I want to make sure that you can listen to the show in its entirety. This is a two-part series on addictions. It is called Don't Judge the Addict. You can find me on SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, and iTunes. You can also go to my website, and the most current show is always on the website. And that is CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T. You can also find me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. That's Cynthia Hyatt, Inc., INC for Incorporated, for lots of inspirational, motivational um, things that you can look and read. And also you can find out where I'm speaking and or singing. So we are talking about addictions. And we left off on not judging the addict. So I want to take a moment and really talk about the difference between an excuse and an explanation. This is really, really important because we are never allowed excuses, ever. Excuses never work. An excuse, when I use an excuse, what I'm doing is I'm trying to mitigate what I did. I'm trying to say what I did wasn't so bad. I'm trying to to not take responsibility for it. I'm trying to blame something other than me having having agency over my own life. And so that's what an excuse is. And an excuse not only demeans ourselves, but it ushers in a great uh, avenue for the enemy to come in and continue to manipulate and lead us into temptation. And so what you want to think about when you're making an excuse 
is that it may feel good in the moment, but it's not going to help you in the long run. So excuses cause me to also not take responsibility for myself, which is an abandoning issue, which means I don't want to deal with me. You have to deal with me. And, and it is a very immature way of living. And it's, it's very demeaning and demoralizing to your soul. It doesn't cause you to feel better about yourself. In fact, it causes you to feel weaker and worse. And it opens you up, if you're struggling with addictions, to more activity in the addiction or an actual addiction. So the excuse says, well, you know, I, I can't help it because uh, I had a bad childhood. Okay, everybody has a bad childhood to one degree or another. So it, it's not an excuse. It doesn't mean that, therefore, I'm allowed to have an addiction because this happened to me. Or I had a, t- a serious injury, so therefore, this is how it happened. Or, wow, I was uh, 15 minutes late because there was you know, just so much traffic and there was stupid drivers out on the road, and so therefore, don't be mad at me because I'm late. What we're wanting to say to the person, an, an excuse immediately causes there to be a lack of intimacy. I can't, I can't connect now. And so excuses are, are also character issues. They lead us to be weaker people. So the difference between an excuse and an explanation is huge, even though it doesn't always sound that different. What explanations do is it causes me to be able to explain to you who I am and what's going on with me and what I might need and what I'm working on. And it causes me to be a more authentic person. So when I say to somebody, you know, hey, I apologize, I am late, and you know what happened? There was a ton of traffic on the highway, I didn't anticipate it, and I didn't leave on time, and I'm working on that. And I am really sorry, and that is is an issue that I'm working on, and I would appreciate your prayer, I'd appreciate your, your understanding, and thank you for being forgiving. That's an explanation. An explanation leads to further connectedness and intimacy. Excuses cause you to be someone that is not trusted, causes you to be someone that is not respected. So when we are working with with addictions, we want explanations. We want to understand what the heck went wrong. What's going on with this person that led them down this path? How did this happen? It's one of the ways that we battle the addiction. It's one of the ways we heal from it, and it's one of the ways we keep somebody out of it in the future and give them actual freedom is to use explanation. But we don't ever allow excuses. Because excuses allow us to continue in the behavior. And that doesn't help anybody. So I want you to really understand the difference between an excuse and an explanation. And when you have someone in your life that's struggling with an addiction and they're wanting to give you explanation, you're going to feel the difference in your gut. You're going to feel the self-responsibility that they are taking and the craving for intimacy that they have in explaining why they are struggling with what they're struggling with. It's very different than me explaining why I'm struggling so that you don't give me a hard time about it or so that you accept it and don't bug me about it. Those are very, very different. One leads to a break in relationship and a lack of respect and leads to dishonesty. Explanation leads to connection healing, hope, and help. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk more about addictions and don't judge the addict.
1360 KPXQ, Faith Talk Radio. Welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt. Thank you for joining me. If you're just tuning in, make sure that you visit my website at CynthiaHyatt.com. I love your comments and emails and and all the comments that you make on the social media about the posts that we put out there and the blogs that we do. And and we always do a, a tiny blog about each show that you can so you can kind of read the blog as well. And so love it when you comment on those. Also, if you have a particular uh, topic that you would like me to talk on or speak about, I'd love to hear that, and I'd love to try to, to be able to offer that to you. Certainly, if you want a keynote speaker, I'd love to do that for your group, and I can tailor make um, any lecture pretty much for your group, what would, be, what would be very helpful and salient for your group. So make sure you visit the website at CynthiaHyatt.com, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all those great places. So we are talking about addictions today, and you may know someone that has an addiction. You may have one yourself. You may have one and know someone. And so addictions are are fairly rampant in our culture right now. We are struggling with them profusely. And so we talked at length about the difference between addictions and dependencies and addictions and compulsive disorders. And so addictions require a substance, an actual substance like cocaine, crystal meth, alcohol, um, nicotine, anything that you would enter your system that your body would not naturally need. And it then changes the composition of your physiology, and it now needs it. And this is why uh, substance addictions, other than nicotine, depending on the level of addictions, we have to be very careful because if we don't detox them appropriately, there is the possibility that people could die if they are highly addicted for a, a, a great length of time their body will, will go into shock, will cardiac arrest, uh, stop breathing, your central nervous system will shut down. All kinds of very dangerous things when we do cold turkey with any substance that your body has become completely addicted to and dependent upon. And then we can have a difference between dependency and addiction. We can have people that are dependent on a pain medication as they are going through major surgeries, like we said, if you had a major car accident, and they may not mentally, psychologically addict to the substance. So the psychological piece to addictions means, I like the altered state. So you may know some people that have to take pain medication. Maybe they have, are uh, in, in can- struggling in fighting cancer. Maybe they had a serious injury or a very serious uh, surgery, and we're doing pain medication so they don't become traumatized by the pain, and they don't like the altered state. They can't wait to get off that pain medication. Then we have another individual that, for whatever reason, their physiology, their makeup, their, their history, they take some pain medication because they got in a bad car accident, and oh my goodness, they love that feeling. And now they want the pain medication even when the injury has healed. And so that's the difference. Then we have the compulsive disorders, which are similar to addictions because they affect our brain in a similar manner. We get an endorphin release, creates a neural net. That becomes extremely efficient and starts to tell us we need to do it. And those are behaviors. Those are eating disorders, shopping addictions, exercise addictions, sex addictions, uh, spiritual, religious addictions, 
these types of things that are an altered state but are not actually a substance. They are a behavior. So let's talk for a minute uh, about what creates and causes and or causes addictions. And we are still researching and still studying the complexity of the, the human psyche, the brain, the spirit, the soul, the personality, the DNA. All, oh my gosh, we have so many tributaries that, that lead into why one person would become an addict and another person would not. And so just, just know this is a two-part series. So we're going to talk a lot more next week, more in depth with addictions and how we recover from them and planning and stages of recovery and types of those types of things. So what creates and causes addictions? Well, one of the first things that we look at when someone has an addiction is trauma. Is there post-trauma? And trauma can include a lot of things. Trauma can be childhood trauma, can be the way that I was raised, it can be sexual abuse, um, divorce, um, adoptions, it, it can be uh, abandonment, several myriad of things that when we look at family, what we call family of origin issues, that's the experience that I had growing up in my family. And how traumatizing was that? And that many times can lead to um, an over-exhaustion of the emotional system for a child that causes them to have just intolerable or unbearable emotions that they're not equipped to deal with. And as they grow up, they don't learn the coping skills to deal with emotional pain of any kind, and they don't resolve the pain they incurred growing up. And many times that leads to what we call self-medicating behaviors. And so I'm medicating pain from the past, and I'm medicating the fact that I never learned how to deal with emotions a as well. And so I may have what we call PTSD from that, and PTSD oftentimes leads to anxiety disorders or depression. And so many times when we see people doing these different substances, eating, alcohol, drugs, pain medications, shopping, sex addictions, relationship addictions, love addictions, these types of any behavior or consumption of something in the extreme, we want to say, why? What's going on with this person? Why are they not just okay in the moment they're in? Why are they needing to alter their experience? Or why are they needing to get out of their experience that they're, that they're having? So we look at what happened growing up what happened and how they interpreted what happened in their life. So again, this is a wonderful explanation, but it is not an excuse. So when we look at trauma, we can also look at chronic pain. We can look at people that have gotten in terrible car accidents, and they have chronic pain. And what we see is that 15 to 30% of patients with chronic pain also experience post-traumatic stress disorder. Because when the body, when the mind can't manage the pain the body is in. It becomes anxious, afraid, worried, which means that the sympathetic nervous system is constantly firing. Well, the more often it fires, the less I tolerate pain. So I'm already afraid of the pain that I think might be coming. I'm already anticipating the pain, and now I'm having anxiety about pain I'm imagining, which makes my body more sensitive to whatever pain I'm already enduring. So we get this compounded effect. And then 
what happens is we have to do more self-medicating behavior to calm the anxiety as well as manage the pain we already have. What sometimes happens with chronic pain that is very difficult for people that experience this to explain to people, right, not excuse, but explain, is what we call phantom pain. And that's that the pain that our body incurred from an injury, cancer, any of these types of things, is so profound that the memory of the pain feels real even if we're not having the pain. And it's very difficult to differentiate between that. And so the fear of pain causes there to be more pain. And so approximately 70% of individuals that have encountered some traumatic experience in their lives have this PTSD experience. And the fear of that pain causes this fight-or-flight experience. That leads to more post-traumatic stress. So every time the person gets afraid of the pain they think is coming, they have more pain. And they create more trauma, which makes them more sensitive to having to have pain. So if you've ever had someone as simple as, I had a terrible experience at the dentist, just going to the dentist the next time is almost impossible. And so they may have to take anti-anxiety medications just to go to the dentist because of the experience that they had. And so chronic pain and PTSD significantly worsen the distressing experience of the pain or the PTSD. So we get this compounded effect. And many times we see that as an excuse instead of an explanation. That when we are giving people pain medication, which is, you know, I'm always telling people, imagine the Civil War with no alcohol. My goodness, that is God's gift to the Civil War. I mean, these people, when I remind people of how far we have come in our country and our world, I want you to understand that the Civil War you need to know that the only thing that was required to re-enlist in this, when you were fighting in the Civil War because there were no jobs anymore, you had, to have only, you had to have one arm and one eye in order to re-enlist. That's how damaged these people in the Civil War were. So when we are understanding that chronic pain and post-traumatic stress is a great explanation for why someone may become addicted to pain medications, Because if the doctor is not appropriately addressing the PTSD, they are medicating the the sympathetic nervous system, not the actual pain. And so we're trying to medicate anxiety and not help them heal from post-traumatic stress. And we are then medicating what is more trauma and not actual physical pain. So trying to help someone with true pain differentiate between the two takes a lot of kindness a lot of understanding, and a lot of support. Because the worst thing, and it creates more PTSD, is invalidating that experience. So we want to understand that trauma and chronic pain, any type of trauma, can, can really set off a person on the road toward an addiction. Genetics is a big one. And I, you know, if you've heard me in any of my shows, I talk about this idea of genetics and that both my biological parents smoked until the day they died. And I was adopted into a family that there was no smoking, no cigarettes, no drinking, nothing. We had pretty, we were very Christian home. I mean, even what I watched on television and the food that I ate was very controlled. And for me, there was huge addictions in my biological family, alcoholism, drug addiction, nicotine addictions. And I loved sugar growing up, and I wanted to smoke cigarettes in fifth grade. 
And my parents are like, who is this kid? And so I had a terrible addiction to cigarettes in college, and it was very difficult for me to quit that addiction. And I know for me, I cannot ever pick up a cigarette again. My body just responds in a very different manner, as does my brain and my psyche. I have to be very careful about that. So that's not a judgment. That's not anything I asked for. (laughs) I had no control over that. But I do have a choice as to taking responsibility for the body that God gave me. And whatever fall is in my body, I am responsible for taking care of that. And so if I have a propensity for that, that's my responsibility. So it's a great explanation when I found out years ago that my biological family had this and that I have some DNA, some genetics. That makes complete sense to me. And it was very relieving to know why this was so profound. But it was not an excuse. So we also want to look at this. We talked about severe injury, anxiety disorders, depression, and then this lack of coping skills that that happens many times in the family of origin that we grow up in. So lots of things lead to this tendency or this predisposition for addictions. And so I want you to always remember, if to bottom line the issue of addiction, it's always pain-related. Nobody wants to alter their experience if it's good. So it's an issue of pain. And why is that person in pain? Psychic pain, emotional pain, physical pain, historical pain, whatever it may be, that's what we want to really understand. That's the explanation that we're looking for. We're not wanting to give the person the opportunity for excuses because we don't want to, we don't want them to stay imprisoned. So we are not to judge the addict. We are to discover how to help them become free and encourage them to become free. And that nobody's mad at a prisoner. Even if they got themselves there in some way, shape, or form, this is what we want to offer the heart of Christ. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me next week as we do part two of Don't Judge the Addict. Make sure you visit my website at CynthiaHyatt.com. Find the the, uh, radio shows on Stitcher, iCloud, iTunes. Tune in and make sure you, again, visit the website. Have a blessed week. This is 1360 KPXQ. We hope this past hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you. We'd like to remind listeners that this show isn't a replacement for professional counseling or therapy. The messages and teachings shared during this show are given as a way to teach listeners with ideas and insights about how to become your own best version. Cynthia is available as a keynote or guest speaker for corporate or spiritual events. To contact Cynthia, go to CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, you can hear a replay at any time at faithtalk1360.com. Join us again next Sunday at 4 p.m. for Conversations with Cynthia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ.